0: Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Abby Martin.
1: Welcome. This is Robbie Martin.
0: It's a rare delight that we're both in the same room, Robbie, doing this radio show. I've been up in the Bay Area for a couple days doing an event at Sonoma State with Project Censored. It was really fun, thanks to everyone who came out. And we just wanted to give a quick update, Robbie, on uh, the Venezuela coup, just because things are happening at such a rapid pace.
1: Yeah. I mean... It's, it seems like over the weekend uh, there was an attempt by the U.S. government and the Trump administration to essentially do what happened in during the Euromaidan protests in Ukraine. I mean, it was the circumstances were a lot different and involved a phony, staged humanitarian aid convoy stunt. Um, but you know, very similar things we saw happen. Where you know, we'll, we'll get into it, but Molotov cocktails being used things being set on fire and immediately being blamed on Maduro and the Venezuelan government when actually the evidence suggests that it wasn't uh, Maduro's government. So, you know, A lot of similar flavors to the Euromaidon snipers, um, things that really made that situation kind of explode.
0: And as we know from the revolution will not be televised about the 2002 coup against Hugo Chavez, there were snipers, in fact, used by the opposition to frame as pro-government forces and that came out later yeah that caused several deaths
1: i mean what's really infuriating to me and i know this is maybe redundant is that there is a cia flavored injected narrative that has actually been put into the left scene not i'm not even talking about the neoliberal scene right i'm not going to name any names but i remember seeing people who are supposed leftists you know who work for you know places like I don't even know, you know, places like Vox and Jacobin. I don't even remember if they actually wrote there. But saying things like, "Oh yeah, this seems really real." When it when that coup leader tried to assassinate Maduro with the right, helicopter right, attack right, right, right. months ago, saying, "Oh yeah, this looks legit. This totally doesn't look like a false flag, like fake video." And it's like, well, what do you? So what do you think now that there is a real coup attempt done by the same forces that the Maduro administration accused of being behind the? For earlier coup attempts that you said were like crisis act or false flags, you fucking idiots.
0: Yeah, and it was all the opposition jumps on that narrative too. They're just like, uh, this was a false flag. Yeah, it's like, really? Because it seems like everything that just happened at the bridge, even the explosives are false sent flies. on the
1: drone, people said was a false flag. Yeah. They said that was fake. Yeah, so yeah, no, it's really troublesome to even see people on the left. I even saw you know, and then all this like wishy washy crap, where it's like people being super knee jerk. Like I, I think I quote tweeted someone saying like I'm not going to be a tanky shill for Maduro after he arrested like Jorge Ramos. <laughs> it's like, dude, do you, do you not realize like people on the left really need to study up on their shit? Because do you not realize like how psyops have been conducted for decades? How every regime change operation is done? It makes me frankly sick to my stomach to see people especially on the anti-imperialist left falling for these CIA narratives. And what's
0: funny is that these people call themselves socialists, some of them, and mm-hmm. they are actually eliciting anti-communist tropes.
1: Yeah. They're, I call them, I mean, to me, they're just like CIA socialists. And I'm not saying they're CIA agents. I mean, they have adopted, just like reporters self-censor and know which line to toe. a lot of these left socialists have adopted essentially a CIA-molded narrative. Mm-hmm. And they don't even, maybe not even... Aware of it, well, which and is also, really yeah, disturbing. Part
0: of the CIA narrative is trying to pathologize the evilness of Maduro before you can denounce intervention. Yeah, yeah. So Maduro's an evil dictator yeah. who's torturing and killing people, but I don't support military intervention. It's like, okay, that. Why are you doing that? Yeah,
1: I mean, and to me, it's just really suspicious too, because a lot of those people who talk that way, who claim they're socialist left, never talk that way about the United States. <laughs> so it's like, what's really going on here? You, in some way, you're actually kind of a nationalist, fash baited socialist leftist. Yeah. If that's, if that's the operating paradigm you're coming from, because you should see the United States as basically being an evil totalitarian state. So if you don't talk that way about the United States, but you talk this way about Maduro, to be like, but, you know, we shouldn't do regime change, but Maduro is really evil. I'm going
0: to take just, a non existent third rail.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's insane how prevailing that narrative is. And I'm not saying, I'm not going after the anti imperialist left here because I think the right is good. No, the right is even worse on Venezuela.
0: They've been laying the
1: groundwork for it this whole time. I mean, for this coup.
0: Well, before we get into everything that happened, let's just really quickly talk about uh, the fact that, um, you know, and John Gold brought this to my attention, the 9-11 Victims Compensation Fund has been cut in half. Oh, great. Um, So as we know, this was already, I think the deaths surpassed the deaths actually on 9/11 of first responders who had died from the toxic dust cloud and just the effects of of the poisonous you know mm-hmm. air that they were inhaling and were told that was safe to breathe, weren't giving proper breathing mass. So we know that people are just dying every year. I, I don't know the number right now, but the fact that they cut this victim's compensation fund in half and their excuse was just like, well, more people are just signing up. like we just can't fund it. Um, well, yeah, a lot of people are dying and cancer takes a long time to develop in your body. So, um, it's pretty atrocious considering the tax cuts and all of the money that's squandered and wasted mm-hmm. on things like that. But like, you know, the, the so-called heroes of nine 11 are dying and they just took away a, a lot more of their health care.
1: Yeah. And we never, you know, and the, and the idea that what was actually in those towers that caused so many people to get, um, cancer uh, has never really been exposed really in a thorough way by any journalist i mean those buildings were filled to the brim with asbestos mm-hmm. and that explosion that caused you know basically an asbestos dust cloud over the entirety of manhattan i mean it's a it's like a cancer bomb basically there's
0: like a, a volcanic eruption yeah, like a of cancerous flow. causing yeah. material so horrific update on that um Nikki Haley. We always wondered, you know, we had that podcast where we were kind of speculating, where is Nikki Haley going to go? Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't see this coming <laughs> <laughs> to go right on the board of Boeing. Shocker! Big shocker! Yeah,
1: it's, it's. I mean, it's. We talk about this revolving door thing, but I don't think it's actually talked about enough how blatant mm-hmm. it is. I mean, James Woolsey was on. I want to say. The company that Edward Snowden was a contractor for—I mean, all these politicians have sat in you know various capacities in different defense contractors or companies that do defense. Booz Allen contracting, yeah, Booz Allen. So it's not surprising, but it's just also—it should be people should be screaming more loudly about this kind of stuff and how blatant it is that the military-industrial complex is basically running things
0: still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and this is at the same time that the Boeing, a former Boeing executive, joined the White House. It's kind of a little trade-off yeah, right there. Yeah, it
1: is. Yeah, it is a nice little trade-off.
0: On another side note, Lyndon LaRouche died 96 years old. This is a guy who, uh, I mean, he had a really interesting life. I guess he started off as a communist and ended up kind of as a fascist. <laughs> Um, And he had just a lot of these like front groups that you probably have seen them out at demonstrations trying to provoke. And, uh, you know, they had the Obama with the Hitler mustache posters. And I never really understood their ideology, really. And every encounter that I ever had with the LaRoucheites kind of ended in a weird way. As his website declared, about Trump, this shows you where Lyndon LaRouche was at when he died. He actually believed that like Trump was fighting the deep state. Um, and he said on his website, not since William McKinley has a president been so clear in his intent to return the nation to the economic tradition of Alexander Hamilton to end the policies of the British imperial free trade and to make a full commitment to industry, manufacturing, scientific advancement and world peace. That's what Lyndon LaRouche thought about Trump. Shows you how batshit crazy he was at the end of his life. Was he dying?
1: Like, was he like slowly dying because... I want to give a little bit of a pass to anyone who is, like, in the process of dying during the Trump era who got fooled into believing that he was fighting the deep state. I mean, because a lot of people, when they're sort of on a, you know, a trajectory where dying, they're dying of cancer, they're loaded up with opioids, they're on, like, fentanyl. You know, maybe that's the explanation for why he got so dumb towards the end, but it's not like, you know, he the smartest tool in the box before mm-hmm. that. He was just rich. You know, he kind of actually, in some ways— I see him almost like as a proto-Alex Jones in sort of the media model that Alex Jones followed. Um, He was able to establish this giant media organization with dozens and dozens, I mean, probably actually hundreds of foot soldiers, like employees of the LaRouche pack. Where did he get his money from? That's a good question. I think he did it through a lot of like newsletter donation drives and stuff. Like He was very active in the 1980s. He actually spent time in jail for tax evasion, He claims he was a political prisoner. That's how he generated a lot of his following and his group throughout the 1980s was a lot of people rallied behind him as like a political prisoner under like the Reagan and George H.W. Bush um, deep state or something. I don't really understand the details of that, but Webster Tarpley actually got his start, cut his teeth as being like a LaRoucheite guy for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, One of Webster Tarpley's biggest books actually is Dedicated to Lyndon LaRouche and spends a lot of time talking about LaRouche in it. And this stuff trickles into the mainstream also. I mean, what's crazy is before Lyndon LaRouche died, an article started circulating by people like Louise Mensch, Carolyn O, oh, all these like Russiagate shills who peddle this Russiagate propaganda, put out an article saying, like, you know, be careful of the source. This is LaRouche, but this is really compelling um about this meeting in Moscow with the Trump Tower um some like Larouche so Larouche has really? gone all over the place like even though he says Trump is fighting the deep state or he thinks he's like a going to advance uh science and world peace he was also putting out like stuff making it seem like Trump was in bed with Putin and the Russian mob that got picked up by the Russian uh, the, the mainstream media which is fascinating to me Interesting um and I got, I mean I had interesting run-ins with them as well I mean I remember walking down the street getting coffee one day and all of a sudden hearing someone screaming and it sounded like a a voice of an old man. And that kind of was an alarming sound. When you hear like an old man screaming, you kind of think, Oh my God, is someone having a heart attack? Mm -hmm. Is someone dying? Is everyone okay? Um, And I turned around and it was a this like 27, 28 year old LaRouche pack person put, putting her finger in the chest, like in a screaming match with like an 80 year old man on the street. Top of her lungs screaming in his face back and forth, and I was just like, Wow, this group needs to fucking. I don't know what's going on, yeah. Like, and then I realized over time when I learned a little bit more about them and when I saw them, uh, times after that, that that is how they act. Like, s- somehow LaRouche teaches his followers and his people to get up in people's faces, to scream, to swear at them, um, to en- entice people into fights it's a really strange mentality and it's kind of in a way, kind of like what Alex Jones, you know, does Mm -hmm. now. Um, you know, so, I mean, and it's kind of, we are change ish a little bit as well, but like they would just be really aggressive, um, and really angry. And I mean, I remember even one time my own interaction with them was I walked by, they started to try to tell me something about Obama and glass Steagall, And I said, Oh, let me, you know, let me get some information. And, um, and she's like, have you heard of us before? And I was like, yes, I have heard of us before. And she's like, so why do you want information? You, you said you've heard of us. You must know everything about us already. And I'm like, well, no, I've o- only heard certain things like from various places. I want to get like information from directly from you guys. Like, what are you trying to say? And then she just basically tried to art- bait me into an argument about how I'm, I was lying. Like, I never like, like, which one is it? You've heard of us or you haven't? It was, like, fucking crazy. Within, like, 10 seconds of talking to her, she was already getting, like, very angry and trying to, like, suck me into an argument. And I was just, like, shocked by the experience
0: well did you ever actually look at their website in recent years oh yeah about how the about energy entropy? energy flux density fascinating stoner material and stuff it well it seemed you really and I smoke joints
1: watching that shit like as just because we were like what the hell is this it seemed like it was
0: a redirection <laughs> it was like really politically provocative on the streets but then you go to their website and it's a lot of like new agey weird mm-hmm. energy stuff
1: it's it, it it was really unique and weird. I'll give him that. That he ended on a bizarre note with like videos showing like different periods of like prehistory, like mm-hmm. where like it showed like the sediment on the earth and how the animals dying in these different periods, like the Triassic period and stuff, led to this entropy system that somehow affects our politics now. Mm-hmm. It was a, sort of a fascinating. I can't even really do it justice because it was so abstract.
0: I mean, I'm looking at the website right now. I can't even articulate it, even if yeah. I'm
1: reading it. So it's, it's so it's it's fascinating, weird yeah. shit.
0: Well, let's move on to the Venezuela stuff. Um, before we talk about what happened on the bridge on February 23rd, which was the deadline that U.S. puppet coup leader Juan Guaido gave Maduro, he's going to give Maduro 10 days to let the aid in. He didn't say what would happen at the end of those 10 days, but I think that we all pretty much knew that they were going to stage some sort of false flag attempt or provocation on the border, which is exactly what they did. Mm -hmm. Before this happened, I interviewed Alfred de Zayas. He's the UN rapporteur for human rights. He was the first UN investigator to go to Venezuela in 21 years. He wrote the report, the definitive report on the quote-unquote humanitarian crisis or lack thereof for the UN. Of course, he was completely ignored by the mainstream media, so I was lucky and, and happy to bring him on the Empire Files and break down what he calls uh, not only violations of international law, but crimes against humanity. And he really breaks down what the sanctions have done, what the economic embargo has done to keep Venezuela's economy in freefall, to prevent the eco- economy from recovering, to asphyxiate the economy. And so everyone, please check that out. We really did a definitive like debunking of the coup, all of the propaganda, using Alfred de Zayas as as the tool to do that. And it's beautiful. Um, I'm very proud of it. So please check out that episode and share it with as many people as you can, because I truly think it's the best thing out there about the propaganda and really um, crystallizing what's really going on with an expert, with the actual expert from the UN. And just three quick points that he brings up. Um, And I didn't even know that Obama had implemented the economic embargo before he did sanctions, so think about that. Back in 2013, as the economy, you know, as oil was dropping, um, think about what that did to prevent the the economic recovery. Of course, we're talking about not being able to absolve debt, not being able to administer loans, not being able to trade in U.S. dollars, which is what oil is traded in the um, international market. A, a couple things that the sanctions did just in the last year in 2018. And keep this in mind when we hear that Trump and his gaggle of war criminals actually care about humanitarianism, keep this in mind, the immorality and and, uh, just grotesque criminality of these sanctions. In the last year alone, 300,000 doses of insulin were blocked. Tell me if you know any diabetics who can survive without insulin. 300,000 doses of insulin were blocked, $2 billion for food and medicine blocked. Stolen, actually. They paid for it, and that was stolen from them. Well, not just blocked. $7 million for dialysis supplies for kids.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: So, yeah, keep that in mind, just in the back of your mind, when you hear the news and politicians and everyone mask this and frame it as a humanitarian mission. And, yeah, I'm talking about Bernie Sanders. I'm talking about Elizabeth Warren. Because they are legitimizing the mechanism for regime change, which is the second stage of the coup, which is the aid delivery.
1: And don't forget I mean, and I don't know if Alexandria Ocasio Cortez spoke directly about the aid and framed it the same way they did, but she also, you know, really dropped the ball and, and said dumb stuff about it over the, you know, after the weekend as well. It sucks. It, it is really, it, it's a remi- stark reminder that we are in a really bad way. And we really need to stop getting distracted by hero worship and putting our hope into these politicians and really focus on the actual issues and put their feet to the fire and push them from the left anti-imperialist perspective on this issue because they're really fucking up. All of them are. Um, And it's really disappointing.
0: Yeah, I was very upset. I tried to... um Just call them all out, because that's the only thing I really know how to do on social media, because I know that she's very active on Twitter. And, you know, in terms of Matt Duss, the foreign policy advisor for Bernie Sanders, he kind of took the, the non-existent third rail. And we're seeing a lot of these, you know, alleged progressives like Bernie Sanders. And I'm not saying alleged. I know Bernie Sanders is a progressive, of course. But the thing is, if you're not linking the domestic failures of this country with its rampant imperialism and militarism, you're missing the goddamn boat, and for Matt Dust to be promoting this non-existent third rail while well, the real left position is to hate Maduro but also oppose Trump. Well, guess what? No Venezuelans think that way. Mm-hmm. This is some Ivory Tower bullshit where you're you're kind of condescendingly telling people like, you should believe this. Yeah, go to Venezuela and talk to the people there. Yeah. They either will die for the revolution or they will say Maduro's a dictator. You know, but 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 no, there is no one there who's like, yeah, we just don't know. Like, we we hate them both.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's and and I realize that the reason that CIA flavored fake leftism, like type of narrative floats, and just keep in mind this is an article posted in the Daily Beast that right. was supposed to be like, here's how socialists should be, you know think about Venezuela. What was a joke
0: until it was promoted by Bernie Sanders' well, foreign no, policy advisor? Of course.
1: But it's not a joke in the sense that it is the type of narrative that is designed to basically toxify the left and make it so that it's less risky to come out with a position and say, like, I hate Maduro, he's a dictator, but the U.S. all shouldn't get involved. That's a far less risky position at this current juncture than just saying, I'm not going to even say anything about Maduro. Like, that's a complete trap. The U.S. should stay completely out of the situation. I mean that for some reason that is opens you up for attacks like you will get smeared if you're a big person and come out and even frame it that way like even if you just refuse to acknowledge the maduro end of the equation so it's like that oh, yeah. gets interpreted as oh so you don't think he's a dictator it's like this obvious setup so <laughs> It's just you got to rise above that and be like, no, fuck that CIA bullshit. I'm not going to play into that framing. Like, fuck you for trying to get me to play into that bullshit.
0: That's why it was crazy to see Elizabeth Warren, who has been humiliated every single time Trump talks about her. He humiliates the hell out of her. Yet she's running cover for his coup. Someone confronted her and she was like, Maduro's a dictator. Um, We need to support the opposition Mm -hmm. and we need to let the aid in. It's like, one, Maduro's not a dictator. Two, the opposition's fomenting violent insurrection. And three... Maduro's receiving aid from countries not trying to overthrow him. Elizabeth, why are you running cover for Trump's coup? Yeah. And just the idea
1: of even taking anything at face value about the aid coming from the United States is absurd. I mean, (laughs) at least that one, I think he's a Republican, that guy Tim Murphy, at least Chris Chris Murphy, acknowledged that this is obviously some kind of cynical ploy. But he was like, hear me out, guys.
0: <laughs> what if the aid is not really? <laughs> yeah. So like that
1: was the best job any sitting politician did addressing the specifically the aid angle of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then and then the next day he posted an Eli Lake article. Right. Being, that's what like, I'm talking about. Being like, yeah, like this might be true, but like, well, it's just he's like, like, All Eli-, these people are he's freaking like
0: Eli, I hope you're right, man. My friend. Yeah. My friend Eli, I hope you're right, man. I hope that, that the coup isn't going to go through. It's like, I'm sorry, can you guys stop signal boosting neoconservatives?
1: Yeah. I just I
0: don't understand what you're doing. First, you had the, that. but who, who just promoted Ro Khanna promoting, <laughs> promoting uh, Tucker Carlson? Yeah. And then you had Bernie Sanders' foreign policy promoting Daily Beast. And then you had this guy, Chris Murphy, promoting Eli Lake. Yeah. What is going on here?
1: So why aren't there any big left figures who aren't doing any one of those three things <laughs> right? like and there aren't it's actually really sad to think that of all the big left figures in the movement each one of them has like it seems to think that it's okay to promote Tucker Carlson or it's okay to promote CIA flavored fake left socialism shit like Charlie Archie articles or it's even okay to be like yeah Eli Lake has a point I mean it's just so, so it's strange so bizarre um that I can't fucking stand it man. I mean the
0: only person who's really been consistent is Elon Omar uh, about yeah. venezuela
1: I mean, yeah on venezuela yeah yeah,
0: that's what i'm talking about so let's talk about what happened on february 23rd so there was supposed to be this massive human chain forcing their way into venezuela right across this bridge it was a bridge called the francisco de Paula santander bridge it was a previously unused bridge as we talked about it was kind of a hoax um, photo being circulated by the national security state, by politicians and media, unquestioningly yeah. saying, why why won't they let this aid in the bridge? It's like, the bridge is not even open. Why are you guys doing this? Well, that um, was what was so fascinating about it. super weird.
1: Like, when I first saw the picture, I actually was, thought it looked so bizarre that I thought it looked Photoshopped. A lot of people I was wrong. Mike did, too. Yeah, they yeah. were
0: like, the shadows are weird.
1: I was wrong. I mean, part of the reason it's a weird photo is because it's a very clean unused bridge like you said it's like never been it's not Mm -hmm. in use so the way the u.s was trying to frame it and then of course the way the mainstream media framed it was they're blocking this bridge yeah but it was already not in use yeah so that's what it's like the framing it's just like saying yeah russia shot down this malaysian airliner mh-17 but without addressing the point of well why were they flying over the ukrainian airspace to begin with like in the civil war, like these things get missed right. on, intentionally. So, so you just gloss over them and, and, you know, you can shore up this basically false narrative that Maduro is blocking this heavily trafficked bridge. They're trying to bring aid into this, you know, important juncture point into Venezuela when it's actually an unused bridge. And that's why the photos looked so weird.
0: Right. And there's this really surreal clip of CNN, a CNN reporter embedded with USAID Oh great! And I'm sorry. <laughs> embedded USAID- with the CIA. CIA yeah, and uh, come on, the cool. USAID is a regime change front. Look at what they just did in Cuba alone: created a fake Twitter account, Zunzunio, infiltrated the the hip hop community there, and created a fake HIV program to try to foment radical discontent. What they accused me of doing here: um, fomenting quote unquote discord, which just means disagreement, which um, you know they've they've basically used to smear anyone who is opposing war here. That's exactly what they're doing in countries like Cuba, Nicaragua, Venezuela. So it's pretty sinister and cynical to even be um, bolstering this, this USAID thing as legitimate, especially from people who know better. You know what I mean? I mean, Bernie Sanders has talked openly about coups in Latin America about how poor people's revolutions have never been able to get off the ground because the CIA has always overthrown them. Well, what the fuck do you think is happening now? So the USAID was uh, at the border with these trucks. CNN was there with them. And we put this clip in our in this latest episode for Empire Files that you guys should check out. But it's absolutely hilarious, first of all, to be embedded with like USAID. And mm. the CNN guy is just like, what do you think Maduro is going to do? Like, I mean, he's going to react really crazy. Like, what else is he going to do when you don't, when like he doesn't get the aid? Like, what? I mean, how much (laughs) more crazy stuff can he really do? Like, aren't you scared? Like, he was just like feeding the USAID woman like the craziest talking points about Maduro's so unhinged. Man, like anything could happen. And guess what happened? Nothing. Um, Because again, the resilience and resistance from the venezuelan military the the national guard and the people themselves did not let this happen so of course the day before this this uh all the attempt to ram these aid trucks through richard branson staged this giant concert Uh, on the colombian side of the border it it
1: wasn't it wasn't as giant as he claimed it was (laughs) and the washington post actually had to retract a story. Saying that over two hundred thousand people <gasps> attended. Oh
0: my god, if you saw photos they of it, quietly, I mean, ten thousand is generous. They
1: quietly deleted deleted it. Ooh. Um, and uh I think it was the Moon of Alabama blog maybe that showed satellite photography of the actual pavilion, the venue space, clearly only held something around five thousand people total. So even like before the concert started, you could find Uh, You know, satellite photography of the space, and and it was very easily identified as this much smaller capacity venue, and the audience that was there was only something like two thousand. So the media actually had to exaggerate it by a factor of one hundred. So it makes you wonder when all these other examples, when they said there's a hundred thousand Russian troops ready to come over the border Mm -hmm. of Ukraine, it's like, well, how many Russian troops was it actually? Because I believe there was probably a Russian troop presence, but. Kind of think it was maybe like around a thousand. Like judging by this <laughs> this enhancement of a factor of one hundred, maybe we should look. Maybe we should divide when the media says things like that. We should divide it by one hundred to get a more accurate picture.
0: Yeah, right. Like the opposition I mean, honestly, protests. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like exactly. Of exactly, in the exactly. So first, before the aid trucks were um, quote unquote set on fire, which we'll get into, the first thing that happened. And mind you, this is happening in the wake of John Bolton, Marco Rubio, literally begging people to defect and bribing them and, yeah. and, and saying, we will lift the sanctions. We will take you with open arms. We'll give you amnesty in Colombia. I mean, this is the stuff that was going on to preempt this. So the first thing that happened in the morning, three armored vehicles drove at full speed toward groups of civilians amassed at the border.
1: And these were supposedly defectors of the Venezuelan Mm -hmm. military, right? Yeah. And what was amazing about that is it was like, look at the, the media was like, look at these heroic defectors, Um, which is absolutely (laughs) absurd considering that it literally looks like an ISIS car attack. Right. (laughs) Like they plow these armored vehicles into like lines of civilians, like standing at these metal gates. Yeah. I mean, you can watch the video. It's actually quite horrifying. They injured, a, I think they injured an eight-year-old girl in the process. There's
0: someone covered in blood who mm-hmm. like gets up. I, I mean, looking like she's really, really injured. I mean, they almost killed a Chilean journalist named Nicole Cram, mm-hmm. who was there filming. You can see. Just watch this. Yeah.
1: It's but she works for uh, Redfish, which is a Russian state-funded media outlet, so no one's going to talk about her.
0: Yeah, and Colombian authorities She's immediately evil, Abby. immediately took these people in and called them ours. Oh, cool. Yeah.
1: Cool, yeah. I mean, so, and, and I mean, just think about how funny it is, too, that it's Colombia that's like trying to agitate along with the U.S. I mean, it's just, it's just, this is so reminiscent of... I mean, the fact that Elliot Abrams is in now, we just posted an interview with John Schwartz from The Intercept going over his whole career and the horrifying record he has in South America. It really does seem like a return to the Reagan era in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah. It is very disturbing, especially knowing what's happening in Colombia. The fact that uh, the fascist party won the election and Ivan Duque is a fascist. And he's working very closely with Juan Guaido, working very closely with Trump. He was there at the border with Marco Rubio and all of them.
1: Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that. And he's, I mean, he's allied with uh, Bolsonaro, is it? Oh, yeah. In, in Brazil. Oh, yeah. Which is also suspicious that all of a sudden some of these South American countries are flipping to right-wing governments. I mean, you really have to wonder if that is by design. I mean, it, it, is, it is odd. And it's, this is not just about Venezuela, this is about Cuba, this is about breaking up these left-leaning alliances in South America that have stood as a bulwark against U.S. empire and corporate, like, U.S. hegemony. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense why, you know, they need to break up some of these alliances.
0: First of all, I think fascism is pretty popular, and it's more popular than we'd like to think. I think people actually just don't mind it. I think that if you were to ask Trump's base of the 30 percent or whatever, that really hardcore base that he doubles down and, you know, is going staging these rallies all the time, if they said, if they were given the opportunity to like vote to just have Trump be a dictator, I think that they would vote for it.
1: I think so too. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, he can get away with anything. I mean, he spent the campaign bashing the Bush family, making it seem like the Bush administration did this horrible thing by going into Iraq. And we didn't even talk about his Miami rally that he did with the big Venezuelan flag behind him. It was straight out of the Bush era. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like a template Bush era neoconservative stunt. And it's just like, wow, nobody, he can do anything at this point and nobody will care.
0: It's these personalities that people just latch onto and just trust. He's a god. Mm-hmm. And I think you see the same with someone like that. And the Wilson other side Arrow. is worse too. So right. it's
1: like. It doesn't matter how bad he is because the other side's worse. They're the deep state. They're trying to, you know, do a coup on him. You know, like the, So it's doesn't matter. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think I I just saw a quote from William Bloom, um, and I'm not even gonna try to requote it because I don't want to butcher it. But he was just basically saying like it's really sad how people actually don't hate fascism. <laughs> That's why these yeah. waves continue to happen, and people like Bolsonaro, it's a Trump-esque figure who people worship. And um, they trust him and everything else is fake news. You know, he's fighting this so-called establishment orthodoxy, which is completely manufactured. But um, to your point about the destabilization of the region, that's really important because Venezuela is the linchpin to Cuba. um, This will cause grave consequences throughout the region. Just Mm -hmm. looking at Petro Caribe alone this oil program that Venezuela elicited to Caribbean countries to sell oil very cheaply. It uh-huh. was an alternative to kind of the IMF structural adjustment policies um, in Haiti. That's actually one of the main sources of this unrest today. Of course, there's thousands, tens of thousands of people protesting in Haiti, demounting the ouster of their government. Um, it, it actually goes back to this Petro-Caribe program that um, the IMF and and oil companies force their hand to sever ties with with Venezuela, and stop this program. They owed Venezuela two billion dollars or something, and and Venezuela forgave the debt. Wow. They said Haiti owes us. Like that's how amazing <laughs> what Hugo Chavez did was. I mean, it's just incredible that they gave them all this really cheap oil, and even though Wall Street and all these oil companies um, wouldn't let that happen, they wouldn't let it stand. They still refused to, um, you know, keep them in debt, and they just absolved the debt. So anyway long story short is that Haiti ended up getting on an IMF structural adjustment policy yeah and they are going through a lot of a lot of hellish things right now but Petro Caribe doesn't just supply oil um, to you know the Caribbean countries Cuba alone they get oil and they ship doctors to Venezuela it's an oil for doctors program so we're talking about such cataclysmic, like, uh, things that can happen as a result of this coup actually going into effect.
1: Yeah. And it really is unfortunate, in a way, that Venezuela's economy and this alliance of these left sort of governments in South America is so dependent on, the, on basically fossil fuel. I know. It's a really sad because it's like, ultimately, it's, it's kind of a losing game. I mean, especially with the barrel of fucking US empire and like the fossil fuel industries across the world, like facing down on them. I mean, it's, it is really sad in a way that that's the predicament that they're in.
0: I know. Well, it's the legacy of, you know, it's a legacy of colonialism. I mean, it's yeah. the resource curse and it's having centuries of being pillaged. I mean, when Venice, when Hugo Chavez became president, they were selling oil at the price of coal. Mm-hmm. That's how underdeveloped the oil industry was. So yeah. when people kind of poo-poo Hugo Chavez and they're like, he should have done this. He should have diversified the economy. He should have invested money in actually building up the oil infrastructure. Really? Because his whole purpose was fulfilling the social doctrine that he promised his people and spending the oil revenue on first uplifting people out of abject poverty that Uh was the first thing that he wanted to do of course they they weren't idiots they weren't saying oh we're never going to diversify the economy of course they were going to do Uh that and they were in the process of doing that so it's just again this kind of left third rail that doesn't exist where you're saying you should have done this why didn't they, they do that well that was what he wanted to do was to uplift the poor. Mm -hmm. And that's who got him elected. And that was the Bolivarian movement. So it just irritates me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of people acting like this is all Maduro's fault because they didn't diversify. (laughs) Um, You know, people trying to say that from the left, like you're a tanky. If you think this is not Maduro's fault or something, I mean, just just more, more crap, you know?
0: Well, interestingly enough, given the fact that the red cross is not a, you know, not a radical organization at all. You have to take this um, very seriously when the Red Cross refuses to go along with something like humanitarian aid delivery, right? And uh, that's exactly what happened is that the humanitarian aid delivery was denounced by international aid organizations as a political ploy.
1: Oh, you mean so the Red Cross wasn't uh, stupid enough to fall for the Human (laughs) Rights Watch CIA narrative? That's, I mean, actually that's kind of surprising.
0: Yeah, they came out several times and they said, please. And and what's funny, Robbie, is that there were even opposition Gwadim Barrows dressed as Red Cross.
1: I saw video footage of that.
0: And Red Cross had to come out and they said, this is very dangerous. Because as we know, because of what the USAID has done around the world, people kill aid workers all the time Yeah, because they think they're CIA.
1: And, And that kind of stuff can get written off because people probably won't even read that the Red Cross official acknowledged those, you know, people dressing up as their people because you know, the white helmets thing has sort of flooded the narrative and it's now like there's a whole, you know, pushback campaign against that, uh, against people painting white helmets as being somehow complicit in staging events or anything. So it's like the Red Cross thing, they already know how to deal with that. They'll be like, oh, this is like Russian propaganda or these are plant Maduro's planting red <laughs> people dresses, Red Cross to make you think that the opposition <laughs> is trying to infiltrate the Red Cross. I mean... They'll, they already have, like, probably counter-narratives, but it doesn't even matter because people won't even care. I mean, as you already said, everyone's buying this, very little pushback against this, and it's actually quite – I think one of the things we didn't mention it is how surreal and strange it is that even under the Obama administration, I remember more people pushing back against Libya. Mm-hmm. I remember more people pushing back against Syria. There is a surprisingly low amount of pushback – in the overall scene against what's happening here right now with I, Venezuela.
0: I was talking to Oliver Stone about this the other day because he was just, he's just really distraught. And, and I was just like, why is this happening? Why is everyone going along with this? And he said, when you convince people that, there's, that people are starving, and that's what the media has successfully done. They have yeah. convinced people that people are starving to death. So how could you oppose that?
1: Yeah, I mean, he, that's a good point. And I, and I think another point that we should explore, and it, and it would probably take months to research, is what happens when a war is actually done entirely for oil and there is an open-stated plan to denationalize and basically take the oil? What happens in the sphere of public debate and just public coverage about that? Because we already know BP during the um, – the where was it? The, uh
0: BP oil spill?
1: Yeah, what, what was the What was the deep water horizon? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the oil spill, BP employed uh, tons of peop- like fake social media agitators to even make death threats to people who are trying to expose the BP oil spill. So what do you think happens when every fossil fuel company, major company in the world, is looking to get Venezuela's oil reserves and we're on our way to a regime change operation? You better believe that there is a multi-million dollar operation right now being done online to silence debate and to stifle debate and also to flood the internet with fake anti-Maduro Venezuelans. I mean, this is the real danger. This is why the U.S. media and our political class wants us to be so scared of Russian bots because they know on some level, or the people in power know on some level, that flooding the internet with bots Fake social media accounts, social media influencing campaigns, is their greatest tool to change society right now, and they don't want to have that taken away from them, so they want to make everybody think Russia is the one who's doing it. Yeah, it's like a coup by e-
0: tweet. It's unfolding on social media. And yeah, they, yeah.
1: And but but everybody, but all these people in power—the U.S. oligarchs, the corporations here—know how powerful social media influencing campaigns are, and so they need to make it all about Russia. It really does raise the question, what happens when fossil fuel industry wants the world's largest oil reserves and there's about to be a regime change operation? I mean, they probably can somehow create a a chilling silence. I don't know how they were doing it exactly, but I mean, it has to be, something has to be happening right now. I mean, it's very strange.
0: Well, a side note, Robbie, is that we can't forget that just corporate media in general, is subsidized by oil companies. I mean, NPR, funded by BP, um, the Koch brothers' investment in Mm -hmm. PBS. uh, So that's something to really keep in mind as well, that when your advertisers and your owners are oil companies, Mm -hmm. um, then that is going to create a chilling effect and definitely shape the narrative. I mean, aside from the bots that are clearly...
1: Yeah, so it's got... I mean, it's probably on some level... I mean, who knows? Because mm-hmm. we don't know. But it's this needs to be explored and investigated. And it's shocking and also completely not shocking to me that no investigative reporter is bothering to look into what the oil companies are doing on a PR level leading into this regime change Venezuela coup operation.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. there's definitely a story there somewhere. It's just nobody's bothering to uncover it.
0: So before anything happened at the bridge, Marco Rubio was already prophesizing that there was going to be a false flag. He was basically saying that Maduro was going to stage violence and try to pretend like it was the opposition.
1: Yeah, so now even the neocons, like Marco Rubio, who, let's make no mistake, he has basically replaced John McCain as being this neocon canary in a coal mine who, I guess, unofficially is an emissary for the administration to go out and agitate things (laughs) for this neocon regime change operation. Yeah, it's so bizarre how neocons now can just say, oh, they're going to do a false flag to blame it on the United States or something like that.
0: And I was like, okay, so pretty much anything Marco Rubio is saying, we maybe can assume that the opposite is true. Because first of all, how is he even putting this out there? And so guess what? All of a sudden, the USAID trucks mysteriously caught fire. And it was a Twitter, it was a hot Twitter moment all day. Mm-hmm. Regime burns aid trucks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then there was like a very suspicious video clip that was circulating. The one that went the most viral was a media figure from either from Colombia or the opposition side uh, edited in such a way. And he was like, you know, had his face. It was like almost like a selfie.
0: NTN24, a yeah. pro-opposition private media company. Yeah, and he was, uh, and he was
1: basically saying that the a tear gas canister from uh, the Venezuelan military ignited the aid convoy truck. Um, That does that's. I mean, it's very, very unlikely that tear gas would do that. Otherwise, police, you know, wouldn't. And I'm not saying police are good or they're trying to prevent death, but police use tear gas very frivolously, and. You know, things like flashbang grenades and stuff like that could actually set things on fire. But it is very suspicious that that was the clip that went viral and was making the rounds that claiming that a tear gas canister set that on fire. It's simply not believable.
0: No, of course not. And right after that happened, everyone who worked for opposition media was just repeating this with zero evidence. Mm-hmm. There was nothing on camera, which is interesting because all these opposition media journalists were there. No one caught the moment of the regime, the quote-unquote regime, lighting this truck on fire? Uh Uh-huh. That's strange.
1: You know, it is really strange. I mean, it's strange to me that even like CNN, you know, you said CNN was like embedded with USAID, but why why weren't a lot of these mainstream media channels like down there on the ground at this actual attempt to get these aid trucks in? That's very strange. I can't explain that. You would think that they would have captured the whole thing and people would have been able to look over the footage and be able to show exactly what happened. But there really wasn't enough footage to show exactly what happened. So people can sort of make up their own narratives.
0: Marco Rubio on Twitter right after that happened, he said, after regime set fire to an aid truck, um, Venezuelan civilians risked their lives to save the humanitarian aid. Yeah,
1: and how is that lie, which that's clearly a lie, false framing tweet how is that any different from like this fake cia socialist left talking point where it's like i am really against like the regime change uh you know efforts by the trump administration in venezuela but if you're not disgusted by maduro burning down this aid truck you're a fucking heartless leftist or something like i saw people saying shit like that it's like that's straight up cia propaganda dude like what are you talking about you're like are you serious yeah. I, I, I can't, it, it cannot fathom this.
0: Well, I couldn't fathom it either because I was at this press conference in LA announcing the March 16th big national action in DC and LA f- to oppose this coup. And I saw right before I spoke, I shouldn't have looked on Twitter, but I saw the Bernie Sanders tweet and I got so upset because mind you, this is at the same time that we know this is being Provoked at the border, we're all looking at what Marco Rubio's saying. Yeah. We're seeing exactly what's happening. It's so obvious, right? And and this is being led by war criminals who have again hid weapons and aid shipments in the past. It couldn't be more cynical and cartoonish. And so to see Bernie Sanders legitimize the coup by saying Maduro needs to accept aid, um, that was really upsetting to me. And. And then, of course, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton. I mean, everyone at that point was adding the pressure on social media saying, let the aid in. Mm -hmm. Let the aid in. And then, of course, videos came out that just kind of pointed to the opposite happening, right? So we saw actually what looks like the moment of the flames erupting, which is uh, the result of a Molotov cocktail being thrown. Even Bloomberg TikTok showed the Molotov cocktail factories that were Mm -hmm. um, under the bridge and on the other side of the the border on the Colombian side. So if you look at an aerial shot of the bridge, the GNB, the the National Guard from Venezuela was nowhere near these aid trucks. the aid trucks were all close to the Colombian side. It doesn't even make sense that that um, anything would have happened on the Venezuelan side to these aid trucks. And of course, you just see the Guadimbaros. You know, this wasn't a quote unquote human wave. There wasn't starving yeah. masses and there wasn't even civilians. It was all shirtless, masked, Guadimbaros armed to the teeth with Molotov cocktails, yeah. making them and throwing them. And it was all on camera. And one of the Guadimbaros underneath the bridge, and this video was bone-chilling, and I'll post it on the timeline, he was saying, we can't just throw Molotov cocktails at the soldiers, we need to kill them. He said, we need to take their weapons and kill them. Yeah.
1: I mean, so, again, I mean, I was making this point on Twitter, but it is odd to me that people who who feel the same way we do, who are very strongly opposed to this and aren't falling down... Into this CIA socialist left uh, talking point paradigm, some of them are being, in my opinion, very, very optimistic, thinking that because this failed, because they you know this stunt didn't go according to you know what the Trump administration wanted to happen, that it failed, and the coup is a failure, and Maduro is going to stay in power. I think that's very, very overly optimistic, especially with what you just said. How many of these people are itching? to actually kill someone from the Venezuelan military or to start or to do something violent. I mean, it's all it will take right now is a spark. So we are still on the brink of a real war. It also needs to be mentioned that this also could be a psychological operation, too, happening at the same time by the Trump administration to make it impossible for Maduro mm. to even take anything on good faith that the Trump administration says. So... Even while he's being threatened, Trump hired Elliot Abrams, a guy who tried to sneak in weapons as humanitarian aid in the 80s, right before trying to do this? I mean, what kind of message is that designed to send? It might be designed to send a message to Maduro that, oh, of course this is a trick. And what was that John Bolton notepad facing the cameras? Mm -hmm. You know, when you hold a notepad, usually you know to, you know, if you're trying to hide it, you hold the written side against you. John Bolton's holding this notepad at a press conference like three weeks ago facing the audience saying 6,000 U.S. troops in Colombia. I mean, 5,000 Five thousand yeah. 5, U.S. troops in Colombia. Uh, that seems like a psychological operation designed to scare Maduro and to think that there's no way anything the United States is doing in this process could be taken at good faith. I mean, it seems pretty obvious to me. Twitter user Gumby was actually the one who sort of theorize that this was an intentional psyop to show that notepad i don't know this is speculation but it is strange that that's you know like we're all supposed to be framing this as let the humanitarian aid in guys
0: (laughs) just let it in what are you doing
1: when it's clear that on some level the trump administration wants to send a message to maduro that this is not a good faith effort so that needs to be examined as well
0: right after you had these people emblazoned with these blue jackets saying coalition of aid and freedom, claiming that they were going to walk in this human wave linking arms to carry the aid in and feed the starving masses, all of a sudden they were all gone. Again, it's just these opposition protesters who were armed to the teeth with Molotov cocktails and then just people milling around the Colombian side. And I think Marco Rubio overshot his... um his idea that like the masses would come to support this effort because no one really came. Yeah. And uh no one was really to be found by the end of the day. So they had this kind of stormy press conference where they just kind of, you know, warned Maduro again, like the world saw what happened. We know that the regime burned the trucks and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then later it looked like, Maduro- it looked like Marco Rubio was like just pretty wasted or maybe on drugs or something that night. Cause he was up all night just tweeting, Really insane stuff. Yeah. Really insane stuff. First, he started framing it like saying, okay, today, he said, they may not realize it yet, but today the Maduro regime made it easier to isolate them internationally. After today, it will be difficult for nations to remain neutral and for their allies to continue to support and defend them. The whole world saw the regime use security forces and gangs to injure and kill unarmed civilians. Really? I didn't see that. When he says the whole world saw that, what does that mean? And then he says the whole world saw them set fire to three trucks carrying food and aid. They will soon realize how badly they overplayed their hand today. Is he talking about himself?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's he's overstepping to such a cartoonish degree that I guess I can see how certain people who are against this regime change operation would be like, oh, haha, like this fucking failed. Mm -hmm. Marco Rubio looks like such a fool. And he does to people like us, but at the same time, that is the mainstream media narrative. Right. So it's like, it doesn't even matter that he's just completely making shit up. I mean, he's obviously part of a psychological regime change opera, like a PSYOP, and he's getting instructions. Like, he's not even, to think that he's tweeting this on his own in a some hotel room in Venezuela or Colombia, wherever the fuck he is, would be really naive. The guy is a total mar- neocon marionette. It almost seemed like this was his calling the whole time. Like he was an anti-Cuban neocon when he got elected. That's how he rose to power as being like, it was like his identity. So this is his calling. Like this is his time. Like he probably sees that this is his destiny to be the ultimate neocon marionette for an actual South American regime change operation against a socialist
0: government. And a side note, Marco Rubio's family fled Batista, the dictatorship before the Cuban revolution and he claims that they fled Castro.
1: Oh, I remember you telling me that. Yeah, which is great. <laughs> it's just like it's it's like somehow, you know, and why is Elizabeth Warren's Native American heritage get so much more airtime than that. Right. You know, like that's a, that's also like a blatantly false identity that right. he's trying to portray. Right. Yeah, no, it's, he's a total phony neocon marionette. And he
0: did elicit more threats. He said the Maduro regime's grave crimes have opened the door to multilateral actions, not on the table just 24 hours ago. So this is, it's continuing to escalate. This is all part and parcel for something larger. Do you really think that Trump with his ego is going to back down now?
1: Yeah. This is the guy who still talks about Obama's, one of the worst things he did was backing down from the red line or whatever um, in Syria when in actuality it was actually one of the best things Obama did as president to somehow reverse that ship when it was like on the brink of a U.S. military assault on Syria that to reverse that, even though he did regime change creep with CIA proxy forces. I mean, that was pretty incredible. And that's one thing Trump and Obama don't have in common, is Trump will double down on a promise he made like that.
0: Robbie, you don't threaten people and don't carry it through.
1: (laughs) I mean, this is something
0: that, that Trump, we
1: know now, it's been backed up by multiple sources, and some of them are shady sources. I know one of them is McCabe, who's like an untrustworthy weirdo. But multiple sources now have confirmed that Trump was looking at overthrowing Maduro since the very first months of getting in office, mm-hmm. just like Bush mm-hmm. was looking to overthrow Saddam Hussein mm-hmm. because he was looking at things in this hemispheric way. This is our hemisphere. Why are we like, what would Tucker Carlson? Yeah. The yeah, bullshit, yeah. Why are we going neocon, over there? Sp- bullshit soft neocon regime change bullshit. Yeah. Like why are we doing this weird war in Syria, thousands of miles away? Why don't we take care of Madeira first in Venezuela? It's like this ownership. It's like, wait, how is that in our backyard? It's a sovereign country. What is Canada, our upstairs bonus room? Like, what does that even
0: mean? It's, it's insane, yeah. It's just very insulting to call anything our backyard. Uh, it's grotesque. So, But it, it's nothing compared to what he did next, Robbie. Um, he was on a real, real bender here, because he posted for the Man- Manuel Noriega, the before and after his arrest... As we've talked about and speculated on the podcast that this could turn into a Just Cause 2.0 Operation Panamanian Invasion-style thing where, you know, 3,000 people died. Same amount of people who died in 9-11. They're still finding, or they still found mass graves decades later, as you talked about. So to actually post that alone is pretty surreal. But then what came next was even crazier. Posted photos of a bloodied, raped, Gaddafi being dragged through the streets. Um, As we know, he was raped with a sword, lynched through the streets of Libya by psychotic rebels. One of the most gruesome, torturous deaths imaginable. And Marco Rubio tweeted out a snuff photo of it in an open, clear death threat to a sitting leader. Oh, it wasn't a threat, Abby. It was a cryptic tweet. No, Eli Lake wrote a whole
1: article. You have to go read Eli's article on Bloomberg about how it wasn't a threat. because. The Obama administration and it was just the people who took back Libya and and they rose up against Gaddafi. So it's only a threat, Abby, if you believe that the people rising up against Maduro is like bad and you should be behind that.
0: I've I've never been more (laughs) um, revolted. I I was just it was really tough to get through the day. To be honest, Mm -hmm. I was so upset. Um, Peter Joseph started a petition, of course symbolically, we know that nothing's going to happen with it, but I I encourage everyone to sign it. It already has like six or seven thousand signatures just just to show that people do not agree with this. Um, this absurd double standard for someone like Elon Omar simply talking about APAC saying it's all about the Benjamins' uh-huh. have this widespread condemnation, of course from the right wing, but also her allies and colleagues, Democrats, liberals. it was sick. And to have no one talk about this, no one's criticizing Marco Rubio, calling him a sadistic piece of shit that he is, uh, demanding his resignation. You have Al Franken resigning um, an embarrassment from the sexual harassment scandal. Elon Omar's humiliated Mm -hmm. over and over again by pretty much everyone. And Marco Rubio can tweet out snuff photos and no one gives a shit. No, it's
1: encouraged. I mean, That's th- how
0: normalized violence is.
1: Yeah, and especially U.S. violence conducted by the U.S. empire. I mean, when we do it, it's fine. I mean, but the Bush administration sent photographs of Saddam Hussein's sons dead with Y incisions on their chest in an, on an autopsy table. They sent that around to tabloids. This is, I mean, we are a serial killer nation. It's not just like being okay with violence. It's like being okay with mass murder. And then at the same time, talking out of the other side of their mouth and saying like, oh, isn't Hitler terrible? Isn't the Holocaust terrible? Isn't Saddam terrible? When We are a mass murder serial killer nation. I mean, it is it is really disturbing, but that's the reality of the world we're living in.
0: And the hand becomes revealed when things like this are just really open, right? Yeah. When the mask is removed, when people like Marco Rubio, and then someone made the point, they're like, I wonder why Maduro won't, doesn't want the aid. And yeah. They just like quoted Marco Rubio. It's like you are literally threatening a sitting leader mm-hmm. of a sovereign country with death and rape and torture. Yeah. And then you're like why don't you let the aid in? Let the aid in Maduro. Yes. We're, we're it's humanitarian aid.
1: It's just sad and disgusting.
0: It made me physically ill. Like it really made me physically ill. I don't understand how Twitter didn't remove the post. It was like it, I mean it mm-hmm. was horrifying.
1: Did you see the last tweet the last tweet I saw him make before I went to sleep last night was and I, when you said he might be, like, drunk or what drugs is he on, I mean, I actually think that's a legitimate question. It's not just like, oh, he's acting so cra- like crazy, he must be on drugs. No, I mean, he was tweeting such weird stuff into the night that, like, when I saw his last tweet last night, it was like, is he on drugs? He tweeted a picture. Maybe there's some good
0: Colombian coke.
1: Yeah, he tweeted a picture of, like, some guy in a doorway, really dark photo of, like, apparently, like, Maduro's presidential headquarters with circled in yellow... And it looked like it was written by, with his finger like on an iPhone or an iPad saying Cuban agent. And it looked like it was written by like a child and a child handwriting like in yellow Cuban agent with like a circle around a guy standing next to Maduro. And I was just like, what the fuck? Now I'm almost like. Like, this does seem like the Trump administration's, like, (laughs) sloppiness.
0: Especially since John Bolton said Cuban agents are there killing people. mm -hmm. Remember he said that? And don't forget that Marco Rubio closed out his little tweet storm with an open threat to the Cuban president. He said, we're coming for you next. Mm -hmm. So
1: not only is Cuba murdering people in Venezuela. He said, see you soon. Hezbollah and Iran are, too, according to Fox News and the Trump administration. So we need to watch out for that.
0: You made the point earlier about why haven't we seen, you know, these the so-called dictatorship and the armed thugs, quote-unquote, actually killing protesters on camera? Because you certainly see headlines being repeated every day. You know, Mm -hmm. these many protesters were killed, security forces killed this many protesters. On a side note, we don't blame Trump or Obama when cops kill people here right yeah, yeah so that's odd to yeah. have that language be framed around like maduro's thugs it of almost course. seems like maduro's like ordering cops to go kill protesters yeah, 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 of course so that aside why haven't we seen anything on camera yeah. showing this kind of wanton disregard for the law and just brazen like murder that we hear about
1: and and not only that i mean why don't we also see mass ...footage being leaked out of Venezuela of people dying of starvation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's another thing. I mean, if you want to get into this Jorge Ramos stunt... ...that happened after the attempted, like, coup stunt over the weekend... ...I mean, that was interesting because he filmed with a cell phone, apparently. This is a guy from Univision. And
0: talk about what he... He was already kind of an international spectacle before. Yeah, like,
1: he already got kicked out of a press conference with Trump... ...for just, like, asking questions out of turn... To me, Trump and him looked really bad Mm -hmm. in that press conference. Uh, There was another incident where, I guess, Castro uh, ended an interview with him because he was asking adversarial questions. Univision is an American company, first of all. American media, it's a mainstream media company. It's not like an indie company. It's owned by the same publishing companies and own a lot of other mainstream media outlets. So I was very curious to hear this story right after this attempted stunt over the weekend that a Hispanic journalist of all people, which kind of is like clever. If this was a setup, it's clever because it again is designed to to like convince the left. A lot of this stuff seems like it's designed to trick the left, not the right, which I find interesting. It really shows how threatening left-end imperialism is.
0: Oh yeah. I had a lot of people being like, now what?
1: Yeah, no, exactly. This is what this guy, I saw this guy's thing. I'm not going to be a tanky shill from Maduro. He just arrested a journalist, like a great journalist or something. And this was like a guy who was apparently yeah. leftist. Um, but it's interesting because Jorge Ramos filmed footage on his cell phone of people in Venezuela eating out of a dump truck, garbage truck. Mm-hmm. The video itself is very odd. There are people like walking behind it them. It's very ambient and like weird. It seems staged. And, it, and I'm saying, and I know that sounds ridiculous <laughs> to think that people who would be eating actual trash would be doing this just for the cameras. But it is a strange video. Somehow that video got leaked out to the internet by Marco Rubio and other people like instantly tweeting it out. Even though they said that the footage was seized. Well, this is what they said. They claim Jorge Ramos was interviewing Maduro in his presidential palace and Jorge Ramos pulled out his cell phone and showed Maduro this footage of people eating food out of a garbage truck and Maduro got so angry. He not only stopped the interview, but he arrested, detained Ramos and his team and confiscated all the footage. There are several problems with that story. First of all, I have never heard of a mainstream media figure interviewing a president of another nation, especially, like, on the brink of war, and not having, like, a satellite feeding to, like, a truck. I mean, that is completely fucking unbelievable that you would just bring in, like, a camera with, like, a SIM card or a tape, and that's all you would have (laughs) when you're going to ask adversarial questions. Right,
0: and when he's such a crazy dictator that he's capable of anything.
1: First of all, totally fucking unbelievable And on top of that, if the footage was all seized of this interview and we're never going to get to see it, how did he get out the footage of the cell phone that made, that apparently made Maduro so upset in the first place that he ended the interview? Right. That footage leaked on the internet immediately. (laughs) So I don't know what this guy's deal is. I'm not saying he's working for the CIA. But he's definitely not a normal journalist and he is trying to agitate a situation. This was some kind of publicity stunt.
0: And did you see someone asked him, I think it was Max, asked him in the airport in Miami, they said, do you have anything to say about the fact that, you know, Marco Rubio threatened to kill Maduro? And he just said, all I can say is that Mike Pence and Trump are happy with what I did here.
1: Yeah, I saw that. Yeah.
0: Of course. What of does course that even mean? But he was, but wasn't But was he just Trump's enemy being kicked out of the press conference? Like, why would he even say that? It was yeah. very
1: strange. No, it is very strange. And a lot of this stuff needs to be, like, looked at more closely because it's just like all these people who are calling Hitler, Trump Hitler and a Russian Manchurian candidate, they're all going along with the Venezuelan coup, too. So it's just, it makes, <laughs> it's so topsy-turvy and crazy.
0: <laughs> and just to close this out, talking about, you know, the, the fact that headlines just repeat the death toll, you know? Just to give you a sense of how the propaganda works, I wasn't able to really put this in our documentary, but I thought it was really interesting. So, you saw from January 22nd to January 25th, 40 people had been killed in the protests, amidst the protests. And you saw just headline after headline saying 40 people killed in protests, alleging, you know, you insinuate from that that Maduro's forces killed. 40 protesters. That's pretty crazy, right? But then there were actually articles that said that, Robbie. A lot of these articles, if you read the article, it'll say um, 40 people died, like in, because they were violent protests, right? CBS actually said, last week's unrest, security forces killed more than 40 people. CBS actually said that outright, Robbie. They blatantly lied. In another article, CBS referenced, um, contradicted itself said that the UN believes 40 died in different manners, including 12 killed by incidents related to looting. Now, I actually looked at what is the UN saying here because the UN was citing that 40 death toll, right? So I looked at the UN report and it was quite interesting, Robbie, um, what the UN actually said. The UN said the 40 who died, yeah, 12 died from incidents related to crime. And then they said the other people died from either security forces or, quote, gangs. And when you looked even further in the report, it said, first of all, the opposition told them it was pro-government gangs. But then they said, all of this needs to be investigated because it could be pro-government gangs or anti-government gangs or other. So that's pretty broad, isn't it? That even the UN report that everyone's citing as this death toll actually said none of this is confirmed. Mm -hmm. And also it could have been anyone. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty goddamn broad. Yeah. So just realize that when you're seeing these headlines, and even if you read the article, like, go to the source. I mean, I just went and read the UN report, and I was really startled. I was really startled. I mean, I wasn't, because I know how this stuff works, but it is pretty fascinating when you really see what this all hinges on.
1: Yeah, and you would think that there would be some kind of office or media group at the UN whose job it would be to fact-check like, mainstream media when they use UN reports and distort them. No one from the UN I heard come out and say, like, actually this report's being completely misrepresented.
0: Yeah, and I didn't see CBS retract saying 40 people were killed by security forces.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, frankly, especially with something like Venezuela with the world's largest oil reserves, you cannot trust any mainstream media stuff coming out about it. And similarly— you know, if you're someone who still believes there's some kind of left-right alliance for anti-war out there, and that's important to you, you also have to acknowledge and admit to yourself that you also cannot trust any right-wing grifter media figures on this issue, especially because they hate socialism, they still ally themselves with Trump, so they're, they're in a position where they cannot be trusted at all. At all. Right. When it, like it's one thing to be like, oh yeah, he's saying the right stuff about Russia or Syria or whatever. This is completely different. So you have to really admit to yourself that these people are not your allies right now. Like, ninety-nine percent of the pushback against this is coming from left anti-imperialists, and the good shit is mostly coming is is obviously mostly coming from the left. The overwhelming majority of it. Just another example of how this idea that the right are anti-war and that we're going to stop war by joining forces, I I think is this this incident really reveals that that's not the case.
0: Obviously, um, the left has shown itself time and again to be the only ones who are really resisting war across the board. And that's what we're seeing now. Wanted to just close this up by saying Bernie Sanders, of course, announced his candidacy as we were all waiting for. Immediately when he did, they framed his candidacy as pragmatic versus progressive. And just to give you a sense of, you know, the mainstream media and liberal media, corporate media is always pushing Trump from the right, you know, having the general's perspective. All of a sudden they encapsulate what the generals want. <laughs> Every uh-huh. time that there's any issue of war and peace or militarism or expansion of U.S. empire. And the Bernie Sanders town hall, two questions, two questions were directed to him demanding mm-hmm. that he denounce Maduro as a dictator. Two.
1: Yeah. Stayed. I mean, there are obviously plans. Isn't
0: crazy though? And then the next day... Mike said he was watching CNN the next day with his mom and all day all they did was talk about how can you believe Bernie didn't say Maduro is a dictator. Wow. That was the big wow. takeaway from the town hall.
1: And and just CNN. You know, just to throw in some stuff there. I mean, I don't think Bernie is all bad. I no. think there's definitely a campaign to try to ruin him obviously, like by the mainstream establishment, and it was made very clear by that town hall, by the fact two incidents and they're related is that the Like, all the questions that were in that town hall, somebody figured out that almost everybody who asked questions was, like, somehow associated with the DNC or the Hillary campaign. Like, they had connections to this apparatus. They were plants. And then someone did a Twitter thread about it, showing each person and where they came from and their background to try to say this is kind of suspicious. And then all these pro hillary like pro-Hillary generic dems like launched a smear campaign saying, "The Bernie Bros are doxing all these women and people of color who are at the town hall, doxing them, even though at the town hall they appear under their real names, and their faces are on TV. So they're using, so they're like going even a step further than saying the Bernie Bros are being mean to women. Now they're saying that they're being doxed. That people of color and women are being doxxed by a that Bernie bro when in fact the person who did the thread that I just talked about was a woman. That doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's just like such
0: fucking craziness. Yeah. And I know that I was, you know, I'm, I'm being hard on these people on purpose because we all need to be hard on them. Because if yes. we don't push them from the left, no one will. And so, yeah. That's why we're doing this. I do like Bernie. I think that he's the best we have. I'm going to support him. I think that he will respond to social movements more so than anyone else. He has said in the past he can't do Medicare for all alone. He says he needs us out in the streets to bring these policies to the forefront and actually get them passed. Ergo, I do think that he is like the best candidate that will listen. You know, if we mobilize an anti-war movement, maybe it will reach him and, and speak to him. So you know, let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater, but I do think that um, I was disappointed by him, and, and that's when we need to speak out and push him from the left. And maybe who knows? Maybe the enormous, um, maybe the enormous ratio that he got on that weird statement is what made him not denounce Maduro as a dictator. I mean, we don't know how these things play out. Yeah. So who knows? And I think the pressure really does work, and you can still you know support the idea that he's bringing to the table and his policies and and still criticize him so again no sacred cows here um we need to stand firmly uh, you know and link again link what martin luther king did 50 years ago this is not a radical notion to link what's happening in this country to our rampant militarism and imperialism and to not do that you're doing a grave disservice to progressives and leftists and socialists so what is the point of any of this if you can't even take a stand morally against donald j trump Xenophobic, racist billionaire extraordinaire who's called Africa a shithole, who's employed a Muslim ban. Why can't you stand up against him? It should be in this the obvious, thing. Cynical plot to overthrow and destabilize an entire region of the world. That's what's so scary
1: about this this current climate. Is I just assumed it would be really, really easy for someone like Bernie Sanders wrong. to come out swinging hard against this, but man. It's a really scary time when you see all those people doing this weird, wishy-washy, equivocating U.S. empire apologism, believing, taking to face value this humanitarian aid thing. I've That really chills me and makes me concerned of how bad uh, this current climate is.
0: I even saw David Pacman did a video about—it seemed like it was almost about me. He didn't name me directly, which I thought was odd, but it was about like Telesur employees who are mm-hmm. spreading propaganda and how they all have— Conflicts of interest and you can't trust them. And also did like a whole segment about RT, useful idiots, which I found odd. But he, he used a term that I found very odd. He said, Maduro, if you don't pay attention to his domestic imperialism.
1: Wow. And I didn't know what that actually meant. Well, so David Packman has been drinking the CIA socialism Kool-Aid But as what does well. that
0: even mean? I don't even know what that Well, it's a, term a fake term. Means. It sounds like
1: something that someone like Charlie Arkey would use.
0: Domestic imperialism.
1: Yeah, I mean... I'm sorry, but I will repeat again that it is CIA-injected, CIA socialism, to be talking about, as if it's a serious thing, this idea of Iranian imperialism or Venezuelan imperialism or even Russian imperialism. If you can't see the United States system and our imperialism as by far the most dangerous thing, um, I honestly think you've been brainwashed on some level. Like well, I really truly believe that you're
0: jingoistic. That. I mean, you believe in the American in the American Empire to yeah. some degree, and that's sad. That's yeah. actually really sad.
1: Well, it it's trying to create a blatant false equivalency between these other countries. I mean, Russia has done some. I mean, like what they did in Chechnya, shit, it's terrible. But it's like that was a long time ago. Like what? I mean, the things the United States has done is so clearly so much more egregious than any other country. It is astonishing to me that that. Narrative floats and spreads around so much. And I think that ultimately it's because it's less risky to say that for some reason. It's like it's become risky to just come out and say with and make no apologies about America is the most dangerous country on the planet. Like somehow that's risky to do now. When it's it's blatantly
0: obvious. Well, and also these people all call themselves journalists. They're American citizens, and they're journalists. So, a as American citizens, we don't have the privilege to ignore the atrocities and crimes of the U.S. Empire, um, like people who are under the boot and subjugated by the U.S. Empire yeah. do. Yeah. So that that's disgusting on one level. To be a, an American journalist and mm-hmm. the main position that you should be taking is confronting your own government and the power structure Uh of your country and the crimes and misdeeds of your government. And to not do that is really stunning. It is astonishing to just ignore that or create some sort of false equivalency with Russia, China.
1: Yeah. Well, but on the other hand, I mean, we have to acknowledge that there is probably some chilling effect that occurs in our country that's very insidious and subtle given the episode that we did their previous episode, Martin Luther King, Robert F. Kennedy were both assassinated within months of each other. And that definitely sends a message to the rest of society for generations that if you push too hard against this system, you know, you might be killed. That's how this country is. And it's not to say that who is going to kill you, but you push hard enough against these things and your life will be in danger. Like that is a real core thing that I think many human beings that live in this country understand on a fundamental level, and I think it keeps them within a certain framing.
0: Yeah, and check out our latest podcast. We really enjoyed it um, with Aaron Good. He's a PhD student that talks about state crimes against democracy and, and kind of a deeper dive in the political assassinations of the 1960s. And one thing that struck me was the window of time between RFK and MLK and how RFK actually told MLK do the poor people's march. Go occupy the hill. Yeah. He wanted it to happen because he was giving a green light saying, I'll help you. Mm-hmm. I mean, we forget that, that that happened and what could have happened. And mm-hmm. it's it's really difficult to imagine a different world without those charismatic leaders who were extremely progressive and revolutionary being taken so young before those things could come to fruition. But
1: I mean, we, and we often, you know, the sci-fi and and these sort of alternate universe stories that we hear about, they're often showing you what happens when a, you know, something worse happened in mm -hmm, the historical mm -hmm. timeline. Like the Nazis. Yeah. Like if the Nazis won World War II, like the uh, man in the high castle, but it's like, we are actually (laughs) in reality, we are living in that dark reality. Mm -hmm. Someone killed, with the power of the national security state, a president, his brother, and the biggest civil rights leader in the country within like a five year time period. So, after that, we are living in that dark timeline because the normal timeline would have been these people would have lived. So, that's a really, I mean, you really think about it like that. Like, we are in the dark timeline for
0: real. And we have Donald J. Trump exactly. leading a humanitarian exactly. aid mission. Yeah. Donate to Media Roots Radio (laughs) at (laughs) Patreon.com slash Media Roots Radio. Please, please, please go to um, Apple iTunes and give us a good rating. Check it out. Give us a good rating. Subscribe there. Subscribe to SoundCloud or any other major podcast platforms. Throw us some love on Patreon. Even $5 a month or $5 per episode really helps us out. Um, we really appreciate your support. And please give us some feedback on the SoundCloud timeline, or you can always shoot me an email at abby at theempirefiles.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, see you next time.
1: Thanks for listening, everybody. B.
0: B.